強い線路を築く時間とともに時代は動く流れの後ろ静かに動く目を閉じて耳を澄ませば GOODY 光負けずにしっかりうまく息放て誰かに届くまで栄光の光はこの向こうに君たちと作っていくストーリー見上げたれ様らの君たちに声聞かれる君しての思い願いが伝える声を合わせる君たちと嫌いに挑みに君誰かの叫び聞かせる思いを月に願いを力あるかぎり生きてくれ今日も見上げたれ様らの君たちに声聞かれる Hello, you're listening to Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! Today's episode is a discussional podcast episode. We talk about the news that seems important to us, dive into our community, answer some great questions from our community members, and then say goodbye. Which I don't think we're going to have many questions this episode because there's a lot of news. Most, mostly out of Shueisha and Jump Festa 2022. I almost said 2020, but it's not 2020. So, yeah, how's the last couple of weeks been? Doing all right. Are、okay. you getting over the end of Mushoko Tensai? No. Say sorry. I know. Everybody gets mad when I say sorry.、Mm-hmm. It's, it's a hard habit to kick, but. Yeah, it was a good episode. Really awesome episode. I'm、um, really super excited for the future of Mushoku Tensai. The, the only problem I have is I cannot get a hold of the light novel, <laughs> at least from f- actual published print. I was, I was going to go buy it to read up to, I think they're on six. So that's not happening. <laughs> they're sold out everywhere, which I think is absolutely sad for the printing companies because that's like money. Yeah. When the season ends, that's just money sitting there. If you don't have that, you should have had that stuff all ready to sell the moment that show ended. It's just a, a bad decision, in my opinion. Well, maybe they didn't think it was going to take off the way it did. I mean, it, it, it's sad, but it is what it is. Well, they would know based on the first part. If the first part had popularity there, they can gauge the second part, I think. I, I should look at and, and see if it's on any of my book.、Uh... Sites.、So、I think it's on Kindle. It's seven it? C's. It's on Kindle. That might at least that's what Amazon says. That means it might be on my.、Uh, I just hate reading on a tablet. Ugh. <laughs> just ugh. It's, ugh. It, it's, it's the way things are going, Andy. <laughs> yeah, if you can't find a publishing and them actually selling the physical book, you, about the only thing you can do, which is unfortunate, but. Yeah, probably. I don't know. That's just, that's just something I'd like to have in a collection. I mean, I. I'm thinking of like getting rid of a lot of the ones that I don't think I'll ever read, like Snafu, just, just tuck it or sell it or something. I don't know. But I'd definitely like to get that one in my collection. Yeah. I, I mean, collecting purposes, I, I can understand that. But, but like, I don't think I will read, I, I know I won't read past the current what's been adapted. I don't want to do that. But I do want to read up I don't, to it. I don't blame you. Because I, I, I got to do my impressions videos and everything. I don't want to know what happens. That'd be really dumb videos. Like I said, it didn't work out for Attack on Titan and, and、uh, To Your Eternity. Just like, hey guys, how's it going? I know what happened, so I'm not going to say anything. It was cool. <laughs> I can't speculate and have fun with that stuff. People can't tell me how dumb I am for thinking that Zen isn't a bad guy and, and Miruko chan. Mm hmm. Talking about you people. But yeah. 
Anywho, yeah, I've been playing Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy fourteen has getting really dark. And it was suck because it got to like a really good point. I'm like eighty six now. Got to a really good point, and then the servers had to go down. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Like, why? Like, I get into this cool stuff, and then suddenly it's like, oh, no. Nah. It's been, like, a really depressing story, though. Like, super depressing. So, hopefully things start getting happier. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't need to be happy, but at the same time, the last couple of arcs of the storyline has been like, okay, things really suck. All right, cool. I get it. I get it. Things suck. <laughs> Move on. So. Well, that... that uh... The story of uh, Final Fantasy has always been kind of up and down. A lot of roller coaster in that, anyway. So yeah, it's always about the world ending and fighting bad, big bads. I guess I don't know. It, it was kind of like Shadowbringers was more. I don't know what's the term for it. Like the the idea of you know reflecting on all times and the loss of something that you enjoy and still kind of remembering that loss. So it was a little bit bittersweet still. So I don't know. I guess, I guess, I don't know. Just not straight dread watching babies turn to monsters. That's that's where it gets bad. <laughs> I don't know. Of course, that wasn't Shadowbringers too. <laughs> that was there too. So we had that. We had that stuff happening. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But yeah, gotta wait for the servers to come back up, and then I can start doing that again. So yeah, that's that's been about it for me. Other than getting caught up on stuff, got a lot of reviews to start writing up. I think mean, we've already had like what five shows end. Something like that. Aquatope, uh, Jahi. We had Mishuka, like I said, Miroko Chan, the Irina, Vampire Cosmonaut. I think I'm missing something. Did I say Aquatope? I think I said Aquatope. Yes. And then this week, it's like everything starts falling. Evolution is done too. I Yay. know you didn't watch it. But it's done. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you getting through that. Uh, I actually had fun with it. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. You're you're writing that everybody doesn't like it, so I'm gonna like it thing. I know no, I has know nothing to do with that. I, I knew the moment that he started getting really hype on it, it was like, yeah, he's gonna like that because everybody hates it. No, it's just it's just goofy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't I I agree with that. It's it's straight goofy. I don't I don't disagree with that. Just it's not you know, BO powers aren't really my thing. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what ends up being Chris's anime of the year, and then he'll the, then we'll know. <laughs> not no, Mushika yeah, Tensai. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not it's gonna, evolution. <laughs> Fruit of evolution beats Mushika Tensai. You have, for Chris. you have no faith in me at you, all. You have done that in the past. You no, you have not. a habit of upping things. I won't say that it's going to beat Mushika Tensai. I'm not going to say that. That's just a joke, extreme. But yeah, you have a habit of offsetting hatred. You know it. Because you know, I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> I think I've teased him enough about that this week. So I'm not going to say it again. People that know, know. Ugh. Anyways, that's like right around the corner too. That's that's what's scary. Is we have literally deliberations coming up. So probably next week is starting our reviews. The following week will probably be part two of reviews. And then we'll go right probably into deliberations. So... That means, like, right now i got to start setting up for that because Deliberations takes quite a bit to prepare for so that we don't sit here and have, like, tons of dead air deciding that stuff. So, that's fun. So, look forward to that. Hope everybody's excited for that. I know that they just released the judges and everything for Crunchyroll Anime Awards, so now everybody can know officially that I'm on there. 
And um, so you all can enjoy that while we do our own. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Um, looking forward to the Anime Awards, though. As always, I always kind of like seeing just a celebration of anime. That's always what I've been after. That's why I always kind of push for them to get more and more categories, kind of like how we do. That way more stuff can get out there and be celebrated rather than just, you know, what's the best of the best and everything else gets ignored because we watch a lot of stuff and we enjoy a lot of stuff that may not be the best of the best, but in their certain category, they're actually the best. I mean, when is the point where they're finally going to get an isekai category? Right. We started doing that, what, two years ago? It's kind of a necessity now. You got to have an isekai category. That way things like Tsukumichi and stuff can get recognized. So... Yeah, and then next year we can have a sentence of bookworm get acknowledged for something. <laughs> Just know that I pushed for a lot of shows for that um, anime awards that unfortunately did not make it. But yeah, Miku from Eat and Deities should have been in the antagonist list. That's all I'm going to say. But anywho, that's, that's that. That's for another day. <laughs> Moving on, let's get into the news. We have tons, like I said, tons of news. A lot of exciting news that I'm really interested to hear Chris's thoughts on. And uh, some stuff that we've had new stuff come up on it. I have been doing news videos on YouTube. So if you guys want just like quick breakdowns, I definitely do it there. So that you can keep up to date as it happens. Rather than waiting for a discussional podcast. But uh, what's good about these discussional podcasts is that we can actually talk it out. I'm not going to have like a... 20 minute long discussion about something on a quick news video. So yeah, that's like digest. This is like full on. So first bit we have Netflix has announced that they are going to be putting a movie onto their streaming service. Big shock. I know that was a stupid way of saying that, but yeah, child of Kami Adi, which is set to release on Netflix on February 8th. This is of course a film that was released on, uh, in Japan in theaters on October 8th. So Definitely an interesting looking one. Uh, it lists as the protagonist, Kana. Um, oh, it's just saying the person that's voicing it. Um, it's a protagonist that has run away from home after losing their mother. Um, see here. This is really wrote really dumb. Runs into a one winged rabbit, messenger of the gods, um, and into an oni boy. Both appear before Kana and join uh, and journey with her into Izumo. In the old Japanese calendar, the month of October is called Kanazuki, the month of the gods, uh, the month of no gods. Um, but in Izumo, it's called the Kami Ari Zuki, the month of the gods. Due to the legends that the pyramid god, or <laughs> the pyramid god, I, I just watched a video earlier about pyramid scheme. <laughs> Sorry. Um, due to the legend that the myriad gods of Japan gather in Izumo shrine during October, so. I'm guessing something similar to like a spirited away, I guess. So it looks very spirited away in a lot of regards. So we'll see. It looks, looks interesting. I know I'm, I'm thinking like a mixture right now. I'm thinking like a mixture between, Oh gosh, what was that? That game, the game they made where Ghibli came on board for the art direction and everything. I played it quite a bit. Wrath of the white witch. What was it? Yeah. Something about the White Witch. Um, but that mixed with Spirit Away is what I'm getting a feeling of. So, Sorry I don't have a better synopsis. That one's like really Nino a dumb Kuni. synopsis. Yeah, Nino Kuni. It's a really crappy synopsis. It's one, of those, it's one of those synopsis where they have to like give credits to everybody as they're talking about it. So it's like a really terrible 
thing to just read. The parts that the parts that I seen uh, look look fantastic. So yeah, it looks good. Looks good. So yeah, there you go. It's only gonna have it looks. Oh, no, it's just for the trailer. Okay. So there you go. There you go. There you go. Check that out. Uh, Kadokawa announced that Migi to Dadi manga is getting an anime adaptation. This is the translation is under the table is the angel's secret. Um, oh, that's the synopsis. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm doing really great with the news right now. Uh, the synopsis is under the table is an t- angel's secret. The boy's name was Hitori, a stork uh, brought the angel into the lives of middle-aged couples who were not blessed with children. His parents were kind. His uh, house spacious, and his mills hot. But to protect his happiness he had received, Hitori continued to hide an important secret from his parents. There you go. I'm already... kind <laughs> of look like crappy synopsis. <laughs> I, I'm guessing just a killer? I don't know. Super killer? Uh, uh, maybe an angel? I don't know. It, it looks... And I'm guessing that's just a voice actor or something picture it's definitely not a secret of being a voice actor i don't know again crappy synopsis uh you ready for some more record of lotus war chris yes why did i miss this did you see that they had a, a record of lotus war game coming out no i don't even know i don't even think we talked about it it's like it's one of those things of like it's it's really important to me and maybe we talked about it but now i i'm like wait hold wait there's a there's a record of lotus war game uh, yeah, apparently um, they are bringing over Record of Lotus War, D-Lit, and Wonder Labyrinth over to the West. I think they originally said they were going to plan on releasing it um, this month, but they've delayed it to the 28th of January. So, Of course, it's a side-scroller. Yeah, it's... There's ad removed. <laughs> Thank you, ad removed. I don't know what that is. Uh, but yeah, it's a the switch and xbox and all that kind of stuff i think they already have it on steam but they're planning on releasing it on other platforms over in the west so that's really exciting i i think the only thing that kind of scares me away from it is it's got that whole like mechanic where you have to switch to different elements and then that absorbs will let you take damage from the other one which i think is something they introduced a long time ago with like a bullet hell game i forget which one it was called and they've just kind of been stuck with it since then so yeah, like a Castlevania type of game, but it's deed lit. So nothing wrong with that. I think we we'll only see. had one other Record of Lotus War game over here, and that was that one for the Dreamcast that Chris played till his Dreamcast died. My my Dreamcast is dead? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe. You played it a lot, so I was just playing on the joke. I don't know. It, yeah, the sprite work looks really good, but I don't know about the gameplay. I might check it out, though. It's deed lit, so I kind of have to. Uh, other game news, and really kind of around our love of Final Fantasy XIV, apparently they have decided to stop selling the game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Yoshi P basically let it, released a letter. Naoki Yoshida had released a letter um, saying that they basically have given an additional two weeks of compensation for game time. So it's like a total of three weeks. Uh, they also suspended sales of the game itself. Uh, they also said they have that uh, 2002 error, I think, is going to be fixed, hopefully, here soon. They said it was something to do with like a some program they did with the original game. So the original 1.0 is still haunting us to this day with errors. So 
they said that it's supposed to be fixed with the yeah the, this patch that happened this morning. So hopefully that's that's gone. But um, yeah, death by success is fantastic. I know they're still having issues getting servers, of course, because they had like this blow up of success in July. I don't, I don't know. I, I understand there is like a shortage of stuff, but I know that there's still stuff happening. So I don't know if it's just a case of them not wanting to invest like possibly the gobs of money they would need in order to buy the servers they need. Because I'm sure they could probably find it secondhand, but I don't know. I, there's only so much I can believe that before I start kind of questioning it. I know there is a shortage of chipsets and everything. It's just, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I believe that I personally believe that they're trying to do their best. And it's just a coincidence of a million and a half different factors. I mean, Mm -hmm. what, at least two, um, two MMOs are pretty much dying if not dead and there there's just this mass migration to the the game that's effectively hot right now which is Final Fantasy 14 and at the same time they're releasing a new expansion and chip shortages all at the same time it's just a com- confluence of the perfect storm really what that's really what it is yeah it, and then at the multiple. same time if they if they do go with the idea, this is this is one of those risk management things. If they do go with um, buying massive amounts of new servers at really high at really high prices because of the chip shortage, and in then in two months everybody gets bored of the game, yeah. and then they all walk away. And and I don't mean that they're going to get bored of the game. I mean more along the lines of the the, the, the hype way goes down. Yeah, the hype of the the new expansion goes down. People always do that. They've always done that with yeah. with um with new expansions. They come in during the expansion, and then three months later they get kind of bored of the content, or they've finished all of the content and they move on. That's just the way of uh, MMOs. And that's the difficulty that I face. Is I don't, and that's why I always I trust. Yoshida and stuff. I mean, he, it's a fantastic team. They really do care about their player base, but there's like that. There's always a side of me that kind of believes that there's always business as well. And that's the same with, yeah, all MMOs. World of Warcraft did the same thing. They could have easily bought a whole bunch of servers that way everybody can log in whenever they want to log in, but they don't want to do that because they know that there's a drop off point. So they get it pretty close, but they don't get it to the point where they have an abundance of space. Because they know eventually people will drop off, and so they don't, they don't, they don't get their servers to a point where everybody can be come can come in whenever they want. They want to have it a little bit below because they know there's going to be a drop off point. So there's no point in investing, and that's always a problem I've seen in this. But I think that there needs to be some sort of. It seems like it's getting a lot better, um, but I think that's probably because the drop off. I think that we've already had at this point. People aren't already capping out all their classes that they want to cap out. They've got all their gear that they want to get, and they're done for now. And so all the you know normal people that just want to play the game come in. They're like, okay, cool. Now I can finally log in. I have to log in at you know five a.m. in the morning and and keep pressing the mouse button every few minutes. <laughs> so, but yeah, I wish the best for them though. I, I think it's a great game, and I want them to have success. I don't want that. And it sucks that they have to stop selling because it's like it's again similar like I was saying with Mushuka Tensai. It's like it's leaving money on the table. They 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 could have so much more money now, but they're losing it because 
they want what's best for those that are currently in. And they've also stopped the free game. So I think that probably helped as well. Um, I probably think... I, I want to say that about the same time they announced this, there was a lot of congestion pulled off of the servers just by pulling out the free users, which, I mean, it sucks because I've had some people that, like in our live chats where I want them to come play with us, like Adrian and stuff, and it's like, at the same time, I don't really want to... <laughs> you, you can say that the people that are paying should have... They already had priority, but with the error there, the priority was kind of leading to issues anyway, so... Interesting. Moving on. Here starts the Jump Festa news. <laughs> the slew of Jump Festa news. Uh, first one we have, the, the uh, they released a new promo video for the Spy X Family anime adaptation. The exciting news that came out of this is, of course, this is being adapted. This is an adapt- adaptation of a manga, uh, but they're planning on running it for two cores. So a whole of two full seasons, which is awesome. Probably anywhere from... 23 to 25 episodes ish but yeah it's premiering in april of 2022 so it'll end up running through to summer as well so really exciting this is i think one of the ones that we were like super excited for it's like a it's a year of spies right now seems like at least we're getting one really good spy show a season so this is the the more goofy one it's the one where the guy is like a super spy and he has to his job is to get a wife and a daughter and the wife that he pretty much gets is, like, an assassin, and the daughter he gets is, like, some esper. So, interesting stuff. Really definitely interested in this one. Looks very cute, so. Cool stuff. Yeah. Cool stuff. I'm, I'm curious I'm curious what they're going to end up doing with the whole esper thing. Yeah, the, the, the girls are definitely adorable. Yeah. yeah. Cool stuff. Uh, next bit of news we have during that same event, they released a trailer and cast members for the Dragon Ball Superhero. I said the word Dragon Ball. Please don't strike me, Toei. <laughs> I don't know. I was I was joking the other day. It's like it's it's crazy that we're in the day and age now where we get like a full full CGI Dragon Ball property. So. Yeah, it kind of goes into our, our discussion that we had, I don't know, we've had a couple times now. I think we even had it in our CGI podcast where this idea that, you know, there's going to come a time eventually when everything anime related is going to be in CGI. And I think this is the big one. I think this is the one that really is going to push the buttons, <laughs> having a big property like Dragon Ball be full CGI. Ugh. I'm saddened. I really am. I, I still, I'm still not over the whole CGI thing. Like we were, I was mentioning to Chris, technically with the, with the, um, the new Broly movie, all the fight scenes were done in CGI. They're using like the same engine they use for their, um, the video game, the Budokai series. So I don't know. It sucks. I mean, it doesn't look horrible. It doesn't look horrible, but it still has a stiffness that you'd see in a, yeah. CGI. I'm just not. I'm not ready for our CGI overlords to take over. I'm just not. <laughs> not too happy about it. But still, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's a stiffness, but it's also like it. It also has like an overpolishedness. Like it doesn't look. They don't. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just, it, it keeps has going a weird back and polishness. forth. There is a, some that is. I mean, it, a lot of it does look kind of. Like it's trying to mimic the anime uh, style, and then every once in a while you see it, something off in the background that it's like that doesn't fit. But it it looks like they're actually in this process of f- 
figuring it out. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, premiering April 22nd, I believe, in Japan. So uh, we'll we'll see in the, in the coming year how that turns out. Probably it, the biggest news, huh? One of the things that I am kind of curious about is some of, some of the scenes, like uh, him doing his backflip backwards. It's you you wonder because it it looks too smooth to be kind of CGI. So it, I wonder how much of it is actually CGI and 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 how much of it is like is there some in betweens that are still being done? So I don't know. I'm probably say it's all CGI because it's all that's all stuff that they have rendered in in fighting games and stuff. So it's it's doable. Probably the big news, the biggest news over the last couple of weeks is that during that same Jump Festa event, they have announced that Rurouni Kenshin manga is getting a new TV anime project. So pretty crazy. This is being done by Leiden Films, and that's about all the information that we have. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be a retelling or if it's going to new new content or what, but yeah, pretty nuts. I, I, I think the... The thing that I'm really kind of curious about with this whole situation, like I said, is probably if it's going to be a redo or if it's going to um, do some new content. I didn't. I just know that I, this is something that I kind of was expecting, even though it's been so long. I knew that eventually we'd probably get another anime adaptation just because this thing has been – the property itself has not drifted away from mainstream. I mean, it, they've been doing so many live actions that it was only like an inevitability that – Eventually, it comes back in anime. So, very curious. Uh, I mean, because I, 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 if if it's a continuation, I'd almost have to go back and and redo the entire series. But it's it. I love this series. I always have. I don't know. I don't. I Samurai X was a little bit dark, but yeah, I I do love Kenshin. Yeah, I wasn't really a fan of the what was it the Kyoto arc, or whatever, where it's all about the the blunt edge blade thing and. I can't kill anybody. I mean, it, it's technically a part of his story, so it makes sense, but it just wasn't... It felt different. It really did feel different than the original Samurai X, so... Interesting. Interesting. We'll see how that turns out. Again, I, I don't I don't know. I know there's a lot of people that are pretty upset that Leiden Films is doing it. Um, I don't really recall offhand any kind of... Did Leiden Films do something bad recently? Do you remember? I don't know. I don't know that I've ever had a problem with leading films products, so. Oh, that's probably why people are mad. Because <laughs> we just got done with Tokyo Revengers, that whole debacle. So, yeah, I can see why people are mad. I totally forgot that they did Tokyo Revengers. They haven't really done too much, so that is kind of a shock. But it, I, I think people need to keep in mind, and I always have to remind, my, this, my, remind myself this as well, if I can learn to speak. Is that it? It sometimes kind of lies in the funding. So even though Leiden Films has had issues with like Tokyo Revengers and stuff like that, and they don't really have any huge, insane shows. Um, honestly, looking through their list of shows they've been involved with, none of them have, are like, "Wow, this had some crazy animation in it." They're all very basic stuff. And the stuff that does have high action, they're not really that. They weren't that really well done. Honey Bado was pretty decent with the with the with the sports scenes. Yeah, it looks like it's just a hit and miss type group. Yeah, so I'm kind of wondering if it's really going to be a thing of this could be the one where they get the budget that sets Leiden Films 
beyond what they've done before. Because, like, like I've mentioned before, even with like something like a footable, look at a footables list. You'll run into things like Ninja Nonsense and stuff like that. They're not, they haven't always been fate, you know, unlimited budget works. But what happened when they got unlimited budget works? Suddenly, they set themselves apart from anything they've done before. So something, a big property like Kenshin, I'm wondering could get that funding that does suddenly put them on the map. But who knows? We'll have to, maybe then we'll just butcher the whole thing. <laughs> we'll get... I mean, the most highest action show they've ever had was Killing Bites, which that one had a lot of action scenes in it, and it wasn't that incredible. Um, some good etchy, though. So. <laughs> cool stuff, though. Definitely interested to see how that one turns out. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Also, during the Festa, they had uh, some plans for Dr. Stones revealed. Uh, apparently, the third season is still confirmed. We had that kind of announced back when the um the second season ended or the stone wars ended not really second season but stone wars ended they announced they were going to do another season of it but we didn't really have an idea of when well now we know third season is coming in 2023 so <laughs> don't expect it for at least a whole year uh but fans of the dr stone will not have to wait too long for something as it apparently they're going to be doing a special in summer of 2022 um i think people have said that it's going to be a single episode special I don't really know the length of it, so I don't know if that's true or not. But the special is titled Dr. Stone Ryu Sui. So, again, that will premiere in summer. So, look forward to that before pretty much a whole year before we get something. I, I don't know. Um, He's got to go pirate. I'll shoot spring. He's going pirate. Well, yeah, they, they are getting on a boat. So, that makes sense. They were getting on a boat. I think they were getting on the boat when they ended the last season. They were they were sailing the seas to get to new stuff. They go into America. <laughs> they go into America. So there you go. Cool stuff. Moving on. I know people have been excited for Chainsaw Man for the last I don't know year and a half. <laughs> they released a trailer for Chainsaw Man a long time ago, and it looked super hype. And then we heard nothing about it ever since then. Well, we've been hearing stuff about it, but. Essentially, they have uh, announced that the premiere date for Chainsaw Man will be 2022. So, there you go. <laughs> at least at least we've locked down the year after, like I said, pretty much a year of having this trailer that MAPPA did that looked insane. But uh, they also announced that sometime in summer 2022, they will be releasing the second part of the manga. So, I guess fans that have been keeping up on the manga be excited for part two of the story. But there you go. Yeah, that's not absurd in any way. It looks the the. Did you see the trailer of the original trailer they released? It's insane. I don't remember the whole thing is insane. Probably did, but I don't know what it is with Japan and weapons on their heads. It's just like a weird mm -hmm. thing. It's like no guns life and stuff. Anywho, anywho, other Mappa news. They have released a trailer for the. I think it's just a thing where Mappa just loves releasing trailers. Like they don't. <laughs> they're not really adapting anything anymore. They just make trailers that look insane, and then they never release the series. Get everybody excited about it, but yeah. never actually do the show. Look at this! Look at this crazy, over-the-top animation trailer. Uh, we'll adapt it someday. <laughs> we look like Chainsaw One looked like they literally adapted episodes of that show because. It looked like there was so many shots of different points of the series. I mean, it, it could all happen in the first episode. I don't know, but... Anyhow. Yeah, during that Jump Festa, they released a trailer for Hell's Paradise Jigokurako. Jigokurako. 
Jigo Kurako. <laughs> the studio, again, is MAPPA. The synopsis is the manga centers around Gibi, uh, Gabi Maru, once exalted as the strongest ninja, uh, who, but who has now quit his trade, violating the laws of his village. After being captured, he claims he has nothing to live for. Uh, however, due to his superhuman levels of training, he has inadvertently survived multiple executions <laughs> from attempts at beheading him uh, uh, to burning at the stake. The executioner, Sagiri Asaiman, tells him that he has a lingering attachment to life and issues him a mission to win his acquittal to fix the elixir of immortality, or to find the elixir of immortality. So, there you go. Interesting. <laughs> Another one that looks kind of crazy. Yeah. PV looks great. Um, definitely interested to see where that one goes, but interesting, interesting story as well. So there you go, there you go, there you go. Moving on, we have Bleach Thousand Year War anime adaptation has been scheduled. It is set for October of 2022. So super hype, even though it's way far away. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting more and more shows that are being announced for being way too far away, and it's hurting me. Like, I'm feeling like we're getting that feeling of, like, when we used to cover, or we used to be in uh, gaming a lot, and we used to cover some gaming stuff, that was, like, the whole joke there, was that we'd get, like, an E3, there'd be a ton of cool stuff in it, and we wouldn't see it for, like, four years. Pretty much. So now we're getting that word anime going forward, so. Yeah. The interesting thing behind this news as well is that they have replaced the director, of course. The director is Tomohisa Taguchi, who is known for pretty much just Twins Art, Star Exorcist, Kino's Journey, The Beautiful World, and Akadama Drive. So, at least the last one has been excited. Show Rukia? Oh, no. There. Okay. Phew. <laughs> uh, the studio is going to be Studio Pro. So, which I think did the first ones, right? Wasn't it Studio Pro that did the first Bleaches? Bleaches? But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in... I need to get some time to rewatch the entire series. Because, yeah, I, I I didn't finish it. I think I'm like um, a few episodes from finishing it. So, uh, yeah, Studio Pro was the first one. So, there you go. Noriyuki, who did the first season, did they? Yeah, they're just they're just doing something else right now. Probably Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Baruto director. So there you go. That's why he's not doing it. The director is busy making more and more of that one show that All will never die. What I can tell you is when you get into this this arc, the, there's a lot of hype because there's just so many things that are revealed in this. It's 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 so much fun, the stuff that they go through in this. And I can tell you that it's going to be, if they do, do it well, it's going to be a lot of fun. Just just hearing the how much cra- how crazy people are going to go with this stuff is going to be way too much fun. Talk about some discussions going on. Yeah. I hope, hope that they get some really good animation in this as well. I mean, again, Studio Pro is not like a super studio, but again, budget. Hopefully hopefully the hype and the the I guess the success of this ser- the series is going to really keep up there cuz this is this final arc, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, definitely because i of the characters that i'm seeing on the screen yeah it for sure it's going into it there you go there you go because that's that's one of the things that i when when rukia popped up i hope they're not showing that oh wait there's kimpachi don't show it (laughs) yep yep. 
Moving on, we have another announcement that came out of the Festa is a new adaptation. This is Ayakashi Triangle manga is getting anime adaptation. Uh, this is the from the mangaka of uh, the mangaka Kintaro Yabuki, who of course did the art and character designs for the Two Love Roo series. Um, so the synopsis is Japan may be brimming with mysterious monsters called Ayakashi, but they have a special exorcist ninja force to counter the threat. Young exorcist ninja Matsuri spends his days fighting Ayakashi to protect his childhood friend Suzu, but when a Ayakashi cat named Shirogane shows up, things get turned upside down. Legendary, yeah, we got to say that already. So yeah, interesting. I'm sure there'll be lots of ecchi because of of Kentaro, but um, that's just an assumption. But definitely looking forward to that. Hopefully, hopefully it's a, a nice callback to some old ecchi shows. We haven't really had really solid like Two Love Rue and you know um what's the other one the uh the one with the 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 school of demon girls and stuff Rosario X Vampire there you go stuff like that etchy fun kind of shows moving on we have My Hero Academia sixth season has been confirmed to hit in fall of 2022. They released a new trailer that uh, is covering the a new trailer announcing it, plus a statement that they are covering the Paranormal Liberation War arc. So, pretty much the thing they've been hinting at for the last I don't know two or three very mixed up arcs. <laughs> and hopefully, we can get the movie here soon so we can get caught up on that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty hyped for this just because again they've been hinting at it for the last two at least two arcs. And um, it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna be a really huge, huge, huge fight. So hopefully, hopefully the studio can actually keep this together and do a proper adaptation of it, and hopefully not mix things up again, because I don't want that no more. Interested in it? Yeah, I gotta. I gotta catch up on the last season anyway. So there you go. There you go. Moving on, we have during a let's leave Shueisha. <laughs> The Jump Festa news. Uh, Tokyo Revengers franchise had an event, and they announced that the Seiya Kessen arc will be adapted. So, not a season two, um, unless it's the length of a season two. I don't know how long the Seiya Kessen arc is, or the Christmas Showdown arc is. Um, it might be, like, the. I don't want to show the video, because Chris might want to actually watch it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's cool. I, again, I don't know how long that particular arc is, if that's going to be the worth of, I don't know, an OVA or a full season or two seasons, but I'm sure most people are probably excited for that, that have been interested in the Tokyo Revengers series, got a lot of fandom behind it, and it left on a really nasty cliffhanger, so it'd be nice to at least get a couple seconds after that, <laughs> which I'm going to assume is not bad, so otherwise it would be a really crappy ending. And obviously it goes on, so, there you go. Cool stuff, cool stuff. Uh, sometime rendering news. We have the TV anime is set to com uh, complete... The set <laughs> anime adaptation is set to be a complete adaptation. Uh, they have released news from that Jump Festa event saying that it's going to be a full adaptation running for 25 episodes. So, cool to know that it's a full adaptation. Sometimes, I mean, it's really nice. It's a Breath of Fresh Air to actually have... And it's full adaptation, not an actual source material bait. But yeah, cool stuff. It's starting in April 2022. 
And just as a reminder to people that don't like going to the, uh, um, you know, piracy methods, <laughs> this is unfortunately one of the first of the Disney Plus uh, anime, so get ready to get a Disney Plus sub to watch it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how, how successful that will be for Disney. I, I don't really know if there's going to be a lot of people that are going to jump on board getting Disney Plus accounts just to watch this, but um, I guess we'll see. How odd. That's an odd one for Disney. We'll see. It's interesting. Yeah, that's that was kind of what I, I think that one was the biggest one that I was saying out of all of them that I'm really concerned about just because I, it's, it's one of those things I don't see being Disney Plus allowed, at least in the West. Like I said before, there's technically other regions where Disney Plus has violent stuff on it. Just not, I don't know the, the, about the U.S. or North America or anything like that. So we'll see. We'll see, though. We'll see. Uh, Subu Raya Productions has revealed uh, during a convention live stream that the second Ultraman season will debut on Netflix worldwide in April. So they've got a date set. I think we already said that. I don't know. But they released a new key art. And yeah, that's about that's about all the news. <laughs> After three years, we will finally get more Ultraman. I'm pretty hyped for it. I enjoyed the first season, even though it was full CGI. It has some really, really good combat sequences. I mean, if you can give that show anything, even if it's CGI, the choreography and stuff for the combat fight sequences were really good. I mean, I think like the last, the last fight scene they had in the first season, I watched it like three times because it was that well done. So not just punch, punch, shoot, shoot, pew, pews. It was like actual like a fight sequence that had like really cool points in it. So there you go for all fans of Ingress, because I know when that Ingress, remember when Ingress came out? Holy crap. People will not shut up about that show. It's such a good show. Um, I'm partly being a joking, but <laughs> it was on, it was on Netflix. I believe I think I watched like a whole episode of it and I was like, nah, not right now. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> but at any rate, if you guys want to give it another shot, Sentai Filmworks has picked up licenses on it. I'm not sure. I don't think they've, they've got the license for streaming. Because, like I said, it is technically on Netflix. But they may have dropped the license. Who knows? Um, but they have announced they are doing a physical release on it. It's going to be releasing on home video in March 2022. So, if you're interested in that, definitely check that out. I don't know. I There was aspects of the first episode that I thought was pretty good. I don't know how it ended up panning out. But... The biggest concern, I think the reason why it was easy to kind of step away from is knowing that it was based on a, you know, a augmented reality slash mobile game. So, I don't know. I think it's one of those, like, social networking augmented reality type mobile games where you, like, you have to go to a certain area for an event and stuff like that. So. Oh, that was the, the, was that the, the show that the, that was based off of the game that uh, was the ground f- framework for um pokemon go uh it's the same concept but i don't know niantic is the company I yeah I, I was gonna say I, the 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 name sounds vaguely familiar so yeah, yeah, yeah. some sad news for Poeta magi madoka magica uh magia record final season oh my gosh that title i just realized how long that is <laughs> magia record well i magi madoka magica side story of the final dawn of night dreams 
that the, it's it's delayed. <laughs> just get just get to the news, Andrew. It's delayed. So apparently they were, of course, going to be releasing it at the end of this this month, December, and starting it up basically to go into winter. But apparently that has been canceled. They've delayed it. Uh, they are delaying it till spring 2022 due to production issues. So there you go. Hopefully Shaft isn't having any kind of issues. But, I mean, I, from the shots that I've... Even though I have dropped the series because, again, I'm I'm still not over the whole mobile game and how they ripped people off. But it looked good. Like, the visuals that they were doing, a lot of the action, the animation and stuff did still look good. Because, obviously, Shaft. But, yeah. For those that are sticking up with it, definitely look forward to it in spring now, I guess. A lot of... Sh- like more, I guess not so much popular. I mean, there's some that weren't popular, but seem like an increased amount. At least once a season, where there's a a show that gets a full season delay. So, hopefully that's not a trend. <laughs> I think on. they're doing fine. Yeah, it's probably a hiccup. Superaya Productions also announced some stuff with Trigger. Of course, when you have that connection there. <laughs> Uh, the trigger announcement was a trailer talking about, or not really a trailer, but like a teaser, uh, talking about the next Gridman Universe installment. They have announced uh, it's going to be a movie. So the Gridman X Dina Zenon will be a movie, and they released a new trailer or new teaser trailer as well as a new teaser visual, which is Gridman with Dina Rex together. So I was pretty hyped for this. I'm a little bit sad that it's going to be a movie, but. We'll see. Typically, with a lot of these things, they will end up doing a TV series as well where they split it up into episodes. But, yeah, I'm kind of bummed because, as usual, it usually takes a while for us to get the movies. So, I'm always kind of sad whenever I hear that something turns into a movie. But, maybe that means we'll have a a more higher action-packed, cool-looking movie instead of a, a regular TV series. So, looking forward to that still, at least. So, Yamishibai, the show about people that, uh, it's a show about ghosts and stuff that aren't dying, uh, is still not dying because <laughs> apparently it has a 10th season coming out. So crazy. It seems like a couple seasons ago we were talking about the fifth season. So yeah, it just, it just keeps coming. So yeah, look forward to another. And it was so funny because this literally is news that dropped the day after we did our winter 2022, uh, preview as always, every time we do a preview, they will have an announcement of a new show like the day after. So there you go. There's there's your there's your show that snuck up out of nowhere after we did our, our recording. So tenth season of it coming out in January. So look forward to that. I do really honestly need to go and go back and catch up on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same. We have a new bochi, Chris. Uh, we we have a, a it seems like a regular release of bochis in our world, but um, yeah. They had a new teaser trailer was released for an anime adaptation for the four-panel four manga called Bochi the Rock. Uh, they have set it for a 2022 premiere. Uh, this, of course, is following a girl named Bochi, or Hitori Bochi-chan, which is loner, Goto, a lonely high school girl whose heart lies in her guitar. She does nothing every day except for strum her guitar by herself at home. However, she happens to one day meet Nijika Ijichi. Uh, who is looking for a guitarist for her group named Kesoku Band. So she figured out a way to make people not forget about her. 
Yeah, Pochi Desu. Pochi Desu. They also announced that Yoshino Aoyama will be playing the lead role, which is, of course, Hattori. Uh, and Cloverworks is going to be adapting it. So every day I grow concerned for Cloverworks. <laughs> every day I grow concerned for Cloverworks. <laughs> Please, Cloverworks, don't fall apart. You guys are adapting too much stuff. So yeah, there's a teaser out there, but it's literally just like a panning shot of the key art, which is out there as well. So uh, she looked cute. Definitely, she reminds me of, what does she remind me of? It's probably one of the girls from like an Dolly Pride or something like that. Not a Dolly, a Dolly Pride. Maybe the girl from Zombieland Saga. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe. I could go with yeah. you on that one. There you go. There you go. Moving on. The other biggest news of the last couple of weeks is we finally, finally, finally have a confirmation on 2022 for Overlord Season 4. <laughs> it's literally every, it's probably the same person every time. Um, every live stream, a lot of questions that we get sent in is about where the hell is Overlord? Well, now we have at least a year to work with. I swear that they've announced that this was supposed to be a 2022 before, but... Apparently not, because now they're saying that they're doing 2022. But yeah, they released a trailer and everything, so there's a lot of new footage, and it's a very meaty trailer, so definitely good there. At least gives us signs that they are working on it. But uh, they released a new tr- uh, visual as well, and cast and director has been confirmed to returning to Madhouse to animate it, so it's coming. It's finally coming. <laughs> Overlord Season 4. It's been so long. It's it. When was the season three? Was that like 2017? I don't know. It seems like it's been 2018 forever. was the second season. Third season was July 2018. Shoot. So yeah, it's been it's been at least three years. God, it feels longer than that. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> it feels way longer than that. And yes, there is some CGI in the trailer, so hopefully it won't be as bad as it was in the third season. Damn, I almost feel like I have to rewatch the series. It's been so long. I feel like I'm going to be lost. I mean, I I do know where it's at, what it's doing, but I don't I don't think I'll have too much problem. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. If I watch the first episode, I'm getting confused as who they're talking about. Then <laughs> I'll rewatch it. <laughs> uh, Dengeki Bunko Winter Event debuted a promo video for Devil's a Part-Timer second season. Uh, this in this announcement for this trailer, they confirmed a July 2022 premiere of it. Uh, the interesting thing that came out of the whole news is that Studio 3 Hertz is taking over from White Fox. So, sad news for those that are fans of White Fox. Also, the director is changing hands. So, that's I think that's the, probably the bigger one that I think I heard a lot of people mentioning is the director change. Because uh, apparently Daisuke Tsukushi is going to be taking over from Naoto Hosoda. And Daisuke is pretty much only known for doing uh, Isekai Cheat Magician. So, again, I think there's a little bit of concern from some people regarding that. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't automatically discount that. I mean, Isekai Cheat Magician wasn't was kind of a in the middle on, on humor, wasn't it? It was boring, but... I don't, I don't, I don't think the writing is the fault of the director. I don't, I don't remember he said I cheated a magician enough to know if it was poorly like directed and everything. So I don't know. I think the other concern is people like there's a, there's a big fandom for white Fox. So that's probably a big downer as well, but I'm sure white Fox is probably super busy right now. <laughs> I don't know why they'd be so busy that they wouldn't want to do devil's a part-timer, but there you go. 
There you go. Next, we have Netflix has released, of course, the fourth season of Accurate to Go. And apparently at the very end of the last episode, they teased that Rutsuko will return. Now, the interesting thing is that very subtly behind the wording is a very faded five. So it pretty much confirms that they will be doing a fifth season of the show. So Akatsuko will never die. I think we're just going to forever have Akatsuko around. Nothing wrong with Akatsuko. Just it was something that I just kind of fell off really quickly. So... I don't know that I'll go back to it, but I'm really happy for Agatsuko fans, obviously. So, there you go. Uh, Crunchyroll has added the first two OVAs of Haku Oki. Uh, it's going to be available in North America, Central, South America, Europe, uh, Africa, Oceania, uh, Middle East, and CIS. So, if you are a fan of Haku Oki, definitely check that out. Uh, they also... Uh, began streaming the first volume of Ancient Magus's Bride, The Boy from the West and the Night of the Blue Storm OAD. So that's definitely exciting. This is, of course, the first of three OADs shipping with the limited editions of Ancient Magus Bride manga. Uh, they already had plans for the second and third to be releasing on the March 10th and September 10th release of the manga in Japan as well. So hopefully Crunchyroll will continue to get each of the episodes so that we can watch the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Especially since this is a three-part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm probably going to wait until they all come out before I check it out. So, But again, I do hope that they get each of the parts of it. I'm assuming that's probably all in, all in the license. They probably got the whole license. So, That's one of those those series that, if I remember right, we were just absolutely in love with how, how just beautiful that show looked. Yeah, very beautiful show. Very beautiful. Very majestic. Very, very... Um, uh, immersive. Immersive. Immersive is, is the word there. Uh, some more news out of Crunchyroll. And additionally, Funimation, they have announced that they will be streaming the eight Attack on Titan OAD episodes starting December 19th. Uh, this includes the first three episodes, covers the Isle Notebook OAD, uh, or is the Isle's Notebook OAD. Uh, the second two episodes will be of the No Regrets spinoff manga adaptation, and the final three episodes are the adaptation of Lost Girls spinoff novel. So definitely if you want to get more Attack on Titan, there you go. <laughs> and getting getting set up for the eventual release of the final second season. So there you go. There you go. I, I, need I, to, I need to hurry up and get caught up on that show. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they didn't do um, that other novel that you got the audiobook of. What was that one called? Uh, Iron Iron Maiden of the Rosewall or something like that. Yeah, something like Rose that. Maiden. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> uh, some exciting news out of the live action Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> Apparently, they've canceled it. So. After one season of Cowboy Bebop live action, they have canceled future releases of it. Um, so there you go. Even though they had like talks about doing sequels, I think Jeff Pickner, the executive producer, was talking about a second season like before it even released. But apparently, it didn't do well enough, at least for for Netflix. So they've canceled it. Uh, the series has garnered over almost seventy four million viewing hours, but its ratings dropped by fifty fifty nine percent about two weeks after its premiere. Um, and of course there's not very good ratings on tomatoes and stuff. So there you go. 
I don't know. I, I'm sad for those that really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, I, I want people to watch what they enjoy, but yeah, I don't think it did well enough. Are you are you saddened? I know that you were talking about watching it. Did I? Mm-hmm. I was going to watch the anime, not necessarily the... Oh, is that what you were talking about? I don't know how I mixed that up. <laughs> you haven't watched the anime? I don't remember. Is that in your pile of shame, Chris? No, I don't that think so. That you want so. nobody to know that you'd not watch Cowboy Bebop? No, I think I kept mentioning that I don't remember if I watched it or not. We don't remember what we watch anymore. No. We just watch shows and it goes in one ear out the other. Pretty much. Well, it's it's like a database, and at some point, the old stuff just kind of gets purged because it doesn't think you need it anymore because you got this new stuff coming in. Um, sad. I forgot my birthday. That's all right. That's all right. I know I've watched Frozen Maiden. I, I, I have a hard time remembering much of any of that show, and it's one of my favorites. So There you go. There you go. Or Tsukiyomi Moon Phase. I remember the intro. Yes. I remember pans. The pans falling on the head and the <laughs> intro. The intro is about the only thing that I really remember. Yeah, Nikomimimoto. Anyways, uh, Megaton, another show has gotten an a, a, a sequel confirmation that is not Kageki Shoujo, and that is Megaton Mushashi. Apparently, Megaton Mushashi will be getting a next season, um, a second season in fall of 2022. So, I'm glad everything this year is getting sequel anim- anime adaptation announcements, except for Kageki Shoujo, because apparently. I am not allowed to be happy and get a sequel of Kikeki Shoujo. So there you go. Congrats to Megaton Sumashashi fans, though. I'm I'm happy for y'all. The official Twitter account for Dropkick on My Devil has revealed that it will be getting a new season premiering in summer 2020. I'm wording that wrong, because technically we already knew it was going to get another season. Uh, Dropkick on My Devil X. They're just confirming that the premiere will be in summer 2022. So There we go. They've also announced that it is going to be celebrating its 10th anniversary for the manga that year as well. So congratulations to the team. Definitely enjoy the series. So I'm looking forward to this. I, I'm curious. I'm curious of how, if we can get a correction of license placements with this release, because technically I think the, wasn't the first season on Crunchyroll, second season on Amazon, and then the third third do they have a third season no they're t- they're announcing the third this is the third season yeah or they say it was the third season it's up there in the top see the big uh, old three anime's third season okay i got you yeah yeah i think yeah amazon prime had oh so they had the first season and the second season dash went on crunchyroll okay so i got it backwards so i don't know i don't know if crunchyroll ever got picked up the first season or not um so there you go yeah, that was a full dump show too. I remember I remember that as well. All right, all right, all right. Excited for that. We've been wrong the entire time. Agatsuko is the perfect workplace anime. Ah, cool. I mean, I, I favor things like Life is Hard for an Otaku no, or no, Working no, no, no. You or don't understand. Service X you, Service, we, I really we, like that one. We, we keep forgetting that our taste is trash. <sighs> Obviously, they know better, and Agatsuko yeah. is the perfect anime, perfect. workplace anime. Perfect. Perfection. Studio Orange has revealed that a new logo for the upcoming Beastars anime season we've talked about before, but of course they're doing a, another season um, anime adaptation of the manga. 
The interesting thing that came from this new logo is that they put Final Season under the B-Star label. So pretty much confirms that that's it. That's all they're doing. It's the final one. Um, which is definitely interesting because I've heard a couple whispers here and there that if this is the final season, that it would require about 24 episodes to cover all the content. But at the same time, several people have kind of noted that some people weren't happy about the ending, so it may just anime original it. But we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But I'm excited for this news. Not that I want Beastars to end because I really enjoy Beastars, but I'm really hoping that Orange will get back to doing Land of Lustrous. Yeah, for those that don't know, Orange did Land of Lustrous, and we kind of talked about it before where they technically made the assets for that. Like, what was it, like a year or two years before the show even came out? That's how long it took for them to actually make, like, the gym hair and stuff like that, which is literally was, like, the unique and very beautiful thing they pulled off there was making these. CG render of characters that had like these almost perfect gym looking hair and well also their bodies themselves as, as well but they're technically you know painted so they don't look like just the gym just their hair resembles a gym so my really big hope is that obviously they've utilized a lot of their time to do Beastars and now that it's you know here soon coming to an end that they can possibly go back and get back into Land of Lustrous, because again, they have the assets there, so if you spent that much time on them, you would I, the hope would be that you'd eventually continue to adapt that work, because it's a really, really cool story. I mean, it was it was cool enough that I was actually thinking of getting into the source material, just because I wanted to know more about it, because the, the stuff they started revealing towards the later part of that season was like... Really, really cool, crazy. Really cool. <laughs> really interesting stuff, so... Yeah, it's unfortunate. That they haven't really done anything else, but the hope was that it wasn't just a complete intention to do source material bait, which is probably what it is. Taboon. Yeah, so. Excited, though. I'm excited for more Beastars. Definitely more excited. For, I'm not more excited. I'm I'm actually more excited for more Land of Lustrous than more Beastars. That's how much I enjoy that series. But either way, I'm excited, so. Moving on. Heat the Pig Liver Light Novel is getting an anime adaptation. This has been announced during a live stream Dengeki Bonko Winter Festival event. Um, the Japanese title is Buta no Liver wa Kenetsu Shiro. And this one in the Sekai story, if you lose consciousness while eating raw pig liver, you will be reincarnated as a pig in another world and embark on an adventure with a kind girl named Jess who can read minds. That That is exactly what happens to one young, ordinary otaku with uh, no abilities or talents, save that he's being born, reborn as a pig. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing is off limits. This show is just, that's just so goofy. I thought that was a very specific set of <laughs> um, both, I guess, trigger and result. Because the way the synopsis lays it out is that if you do this, you will be reincarnated with a kind girl that can read minds. And specifically, her name's Jess. And he just happened to do it. So, y'all know, if you fall asleep, if you lose consciousness, specifically lose consciousness while you're eating raw pig liver, don't do that, please. Don't do that. <laughs> you will be reincarnated 
I don't know. <laughs> With I, cute I, girl. I, this sounds like a, a, a perfect a perfect idea. I'm, I just don't want nobody going out there and eating re- raw uh, pig liver thinking they're going to be reincarnated because I don't think that's going to happen. But if it could, that'd be great. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying. You might have some crazy sick hallucination. I guess that's going to be this the idea of the story itself. Um, this They have a trailer release for it. It's just a teaser, so it just shows like the live the, the the light novel art and stuff but it seems to have a lot of emphasis on two aspects one that the pig isekai guy is going to be voiced by kirito so kirito voice isekai <laughs> happens uh but two uh i think it might be a slightly etchy show because there's a lot of emphasis on the fact that he really badly wants to look up her skirt and at some point she just like okay sure that's fine you can do that so, there you go. Might be, might be a uh, Kito Isekai, slightly etchy um, guy as pig being taken care of by cute girl. So, there you go. We'll see. We'll see. Additionally, at that same event that announced that adaptation, they had a uh, adaptation announcement for Reign of the Seven Spellblaze light novel. Uh, this is the Japanese title is Nanatsu no. Maken ga shihai suru. Uh, this one is by the creator uh, Bokuto Uno, who of course is known for doing Alderman in the Sky. So hopefully, I don't know. We we en- I enjoyed Alderman in the Sky. Uh, I think the thing that I enjoyed so much about it specifically was the fact that it had a very very interesting world that they were creating with that series, but. Unfortunately, it was very source material bait, so <laughs> we really didn't get into much with Alderman on the Sky, the anime adaptation, anyways. So uh, hopefully this one doesn't feel as baity, but the synopsis is springtime at Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Magic Academy. Uh, when new students begin their first year, one boy clad in black robes and a white cane and sword strapped to his hip approaches the prestigious school. The young man, Oliver, must form bonds with a katana-wielding girl named Nano uh, if he's to survive this, the dangers he's to face at the school that uh, that is anything but what it seems. So, there you go. Interesting character design, art, and stuff. Like I said, very Kirito. <laughs> very Kirito. But... Seems like a possible return to magic school type of anime. We had like a whole bunch at some point. Like, it, yeah. like I think, was it? I don't think it was necessarily, what was it? Asterisk War and and Chivalry Fell Knight. But, but it was like about that time when we just had like a whole slew of magic school. Like it was the East. I never, I don't think I ever bring that up. Because whenever we talk about Isekais and the popularity of it, we always talk about like, you know, the mecha boom, the the school club boom, the harem booms. Well, but I don't think we ever mentioned that there was a time where we had a lot of magic school. Boom. And and you're right. It, it, it's one of those things that it kind of it was very quick. It was right there in the middle of it, uh, the kind of the school club harem thing, and and it so it kind of felt like it was just a natural extension of it. So it's not ne- necessarily that. Yeah, it seemed like it kind of merged into. Yeah, because you had like you had the club stuff, and then you had like magic club stuff, and then you had magic school, and then and there was a lot of them that were magic school, but it was more focused on the club. It was yeah, I can see that. But yeah, we'll see. 
But yeah, it, there definitely was a difference between the two. It's just that it just because what uh, one of my favorites was in there at at that time. Uh, the with the seven deadly sins girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. I, mean, I never remember the name of it whenever mm-hmm. we talk about it. <laughs> yeah, this uh, one was another one that was in that same time frame as well. Yeah, yeah. Strike the Blood OVA has been announced that, uh, or they haven't, uh, the official website for the Strike the Blood OVA has announced that the Strike the Blood final, uh, the fifth OVA, will adapt the final main Strike the Blood light novel, um, and it will be four episodes. Uh, the first two episodes release on March 30th, and the second two, June 29th, so... That one's coming to an end. One of these days, I'll get caught up on it. I think I think that'll be a good, interesting trigger for me to go back and rewatch the series and and finally get the conclusion of it. I still think you would like Tokyo Ravens better, but it's never going to get more adaptation, True. so I'm not going to bother with it. There's <laughs> <laughs> no reason to get into it. I'll, I'll still rewatch the intro over and over and over again until the end of time. But yeah, such a good intro. Such I mean, good. I like both of them, but I think Andrew would like Tokyo Ravens better. Yeah. Uh, t- uh, Strike the Blood has more edgy. I don't think Tokyo Raven even had edgy. Mm, no, probably I not. Think, I don't think it did. Uh, some fun news out of Sekai Project. They announced on their Kickstarter. I think this is probably after people already kind of talked about it, but <laughs> we'll give them credit somehow. Uh, Sekai Project had announced on the Kickstarter for Rewrite Plus visual novel. The Steam version of Rewrite will have changes to the content that will make it acceptable for Western Steam digital releases. So... Um, yeah, which basically means it's too, Censored. it's too etchy. So they have, it's like not even that bad. <laughs> uh, they have also informed backers that if anyone's unhappy about these changes, they can request refund, just refund, refunds for their pledges. Uh, the physical release on the other hand, will have the original CGs, uh, from the Japanese retail release. So yeah, it's like not even that bad. That's what's so bothersome, but I, I guess that's the, that's kind of an ongoing issue with Steam in general is that they're just they just act very weird when it comes to Japanese visual novels and they they technically many would argue including myself that they seem to put more scrutiny on Japanese visual novels for anything remotely risky versus the there's a lot of let's be honest P-R-O or P-O-R-N-N all over of Steam. And for some reason, that stuff is perfectly fine. But And hyperviolence is fine. But apparently a girl in pajamas or a slight upskirt is too risky for Steam. So they've released a couple comments regarding, you know, the situations that they face. So I'm not going to... I've had issues with Sekai Project in the past. and But I will be perfectly level-headed when it comes to something like this. Yes, there there's a lot of risks that they face putting their content on Steam and I think the thing that is probably negative against Sekai Project is that they should have been very clear about this stuff up front. And I don't th- I don't see any signs they were. Um obviously they weren't because otherwise they wouldn't have to release apologies and tell people, "Hey, if you want refunds, you can have refunds now after we've basically funded the whole thing." But yeah, there you go. Fun stuff. So funny because I had bumped into that and I almost, I almost would have gotten it. But and that's a majority of reason why I really want to bring this up on here is to let people know, be expecting that if you buy the Steam version. But as you have it with every single release like this, there is patches already that you can get. I'm um, sure that you can patch the Steam version. I mean, it's literally just replacing three pictures. So 
There you go. Like I said, I just don't see these being that risky. <laughs> They're not even nudity. I mean, partial, I guess you could say. Nothing's really showing. I mean, many would argue that the stuff where it's... There's the argument that can be made whenever you cover up things, it makes it seem more etchy than it actually is, that whole aspect. So, I just don't think they're that bad. So, there you go. Just be aware of that. If you get the Steam version, you're going to have to get a patch if you want to have the, you know... It's technically not saying it's the original art, because I believe that this is the art that they used in the console releases. So, I don't know. You can make that argument as well. Moving on, Sunrise has released new art, new key art, for the summer 2022 opening date for Mobile Suit Gundam Kukuru's Doan's Island, which of course is the movie theatrical um, adaptation of the Doan's Island. I think it was a single episode in the original Gundam. I think we talked about that before. So, yeah. Apparently going to come summer 2022. Hopefully... Somebody picks that up quickly. I think Netflix has been pretty big on picking up uh, Gundam films, at least one of them anyways. So hopefully Netflix will snag that up and get that over here quickly. But cool stuff. I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. I mean, it was a it was a decently interesting story. Um, so I'll be interested to see how much they can expand on it. And it just makes me really want them to just adapt the whole stupid original Gundam series. <laughs> I said that when I watched Gundam Origins, I wanted them to readapt the entire thing. Um, and this is kind of one of those signs that make, just pushes me even further. It's like, okay, you're going to do that one episode. Do the whole thing. Just do the whole thing. Please, just do the whole thing. <laughs> do it in theatrical movies. That's what, it's it's one of those that d- does definitely need a, a, a effectively a facelift. It, it needs mm-hmm. to be uh, updated. It seriously does. It's like the origin story. Like, you, you just... Just do the whole thing. Like, I, I say that when Origins was technically the prequel story. It's not the origin story. Like, the original Gundam, just just fix it up. Pick up the pacing on it. And, you know, update the visuals, everything. Please. Yeah, you <laughs> put you put uh, Origin next to the original Gundam, and it's like, you realize how much it needs that uh, that update. Yeah, just the, like I said before, the, the problem that I always have whenever somebody asks, hey, can... Should I watch the all the original Gundam? It's like, well, yeah, but at the same time, it's it's difficult to watch now because it's just the pacing. <laughs> it's old pacing, and old pacing is slow, very slow. Uh, moving on, we have some licenses. We have uh, Yen Press has licensed Magical Explorer manga. The girl I saved on the train turned out to be my childhood friend manga. Uh, Yokohama Station SF National Light Novel. Studio Apartment, Good Lighting, Angel Included manga, Shadow House manga, and uh, Mato Sehe no Slevu manga. So, uh, the Mato Sehe no Slave is obviously very um, timely due to the fact that that's getting an anime adaptation. So, <laughs> doesn't surprise me. Too. I thought somebody got Shadow House already. Is there a light novel that maybe they got picked up and not the manga? I don't know. Studio Apartment one's kind of funny sounding. Uh, Taro Tokomatsu, uh, uh, Tokumitsu is a high schooler living all alone when he encounters a pure and kind girl named Toa on his balcony. But who is she really? Mataba. Uh, okay, that's a really crappy synopsis. <laughs> that's a really crappy synopsis. <laughs> the girl I saved on the train turned out to be my childhood friend. The 
character designs look like the ones from um um was it not Hog and I? I want to, why do I want to say Hog and I? Uh, the I shaved and took it at high school. Run away. That's that's which one I was thinking of. I was um, getting ready to say uh, girlfriend Hikahiro. Yeah, Hikahiro. I wonder adaptation of this, which is art by no, that's Buta as the art for that one. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, let me let me look up uh, the girl who uh, a girl I, the girl I shaved is a guy. The girl I saved on the train turned. Uh, if I can even look it up, yeah, I can. It worked. All right, cool. It's a very long Japanese name. Chikan sare sare so ni natteru esku bishojo wo tasu kira te I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just putting myself to torture. Tonare no seki no osana najimi data. Um, art is Midori Kawa Yu, which they just listed Yu. Yeah. Interesting. So many bochis. So many loners. Hmm. It just looks very, it must, must be inspired or something. It looks very similar, but yeah, there you go. There you go. Moving on, we have discotheque licenses. I think these are all for Blu-ray releases, so keep that in mind, I think, question mark. Yeah, I think they're all. One is standard edition, blue or standard quality Blu-ray, but yeah, they got uh, Skullface Bookseller, Honda-san, Tales of Fantasia, Miss Vampire Who Lives in My, ch- in my Neighborhood, uh, Galactic Gale Baxinger, uh, Cat's Eye, As Miss Beelzebub Likes, Yamamushi Peta, uh, pedal new generation. You are Umaso, Angel Cop, Lupin the Third Part One, Lupin the Third Episode Zero, First Contact, Mon Kole Knights, City Hunter Three, City Hunter Ninety One, and Ur- uh, Uzasai Yatsura, Lum the Forever. So cool stuff. Like I said, all pretty much Blu-ray releases. So the the vampire uh, in my neighborhood. That I was enjoying that one. I really need to get wasn't to that short that one. That was a short, wasn't it? No, that wasn't a short, because I think that's why I dropped it. It's kind of like one of those ones where I felt like it should have been a short. That's just me, though. Yeah, the comedic timing, timing was a little bit off, but I could, I, I, I was really enjoying what they were doing with it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Baxinger and... That's... Oh, yeah, and Mon Collie Knights. Those are both standard def um, Blu-ray releases, so keep that in mind. But they're all... Yeah, there you go. Like almost, and and when I say the comedic timing was off, it was almost like they were, they were trying to linger with some of the jokes. Like they were trying to, isn't this funny? And, the, and, and they were kind of like waiting for the, for you to laugh. And when you didn't laugh, it was like, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was definitely a fun show though. I don't know how to better explain it. It just seems like that makes sense. <laughs> Additionally, more shows that are getting sequel adaptations that's not Kageki Shoujo. The Vampire Dies in No Time is getting a second season, so I guess <laughs> get on people that are enjoying that show. Like I said before, I'm I'm happy for people that enjoy stuff to get more of it, so just not Kageki Shoujo for some reason. I, I don't know. Maybe I should go back and see if I feel different towards the latter episodes. Doubt it. Moving on to some unfortunate news. Uh, Sayaka Kanda has a 
unfortunately passed away at the age of 35. Um, apparently, the Hokkaido Prefectural Police is inve- investigating her death. Um, she apparently had been found um, on the on the balcony floor, mid-floor of this building. Um, so it kind of implies that she had felt her death. Um, so they're kind of investigating if it's mal, you know, something happened to her or if she unfortunately ended her own life. It uh, really does suck. Uh, she was a vocalist for Trust Rick. Um, did a bunch of stage acting and also for a lot of people is known for doing Yuna from Sword Art Online. She was the idol girl from the movie and was also in um, the second season of Underworld as well as Mana from Idoli Pride. So I think uh, the Idoli Pride official Twitter has announced that they are not going to be replacing her position as Mana from the series. They claim that she brought the character to life and is irreplaceable. So very unfortunate news. Um, Unfortunately, with cases like this, we typically don't really hear much after this because of the privacy of the family. So, definitely sucks. Definitely, really does. He's only 35 years old. Additionally, more kind of unfortunate news is police have arrested the mangaka for Please Tell Me Gakko-chan for, unfortunately, <laughs> importing CP. So, yeah. I, I, I typically don't read news like this out because a lot of cases we don't know the full story but apparently he told the police officers directly that he was wanting nude photos of uh, foreign children and that cannot be acquired in Japan so he pretty much just admitted it <laughs> so <laughs> there has been an admittance of guilt not much to protect the the mangaka but that sucks I really did enjoy at least the, the anime adaptation of Gakko-chan but yeah that's not it's not good. Not cool. Not, not cool okay. at all. Not okay. So, there you go. Uh, hopefully that uh, ends their career, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, then my last piece of unfortunate news is I, I've, I've kind of done a video on this and covered it quite a bit, but there's a, unfortunately a channel called Totally Not Mark that had received a whole bunch of claims from Toy Entertainment regarding a bunch of their properties. Of course, they... They own a lot of properties like One Piece and Dragon Ball and stuff like that. And this guy, his YouTube channel got hit by, I think, 155 claims and kind of got wrecked by it. Now, I want—I was very specific in my video as well as I don't really know really the specific details of what truly happened there. I do know that he has used footage in his videos. He claims that he follows all YouTube guidelines. I don't know that for sure. But I do know that there is an ongoing issue with, um, you know, copyright and fair use on YouTube. I, I, I think what the interesting thing that came from this whole situation, and it, and it really sucks because I, I made my video and a lot of people claim that I was protecting Toei, which I don't know where you get that from my video. Um, the only thing they insinuated was that it's not just a problem with Toei, but a problem with YouTube in general and the system itself. But I think the interesting thing that came from the whole issue as a whole was, yes, highlighting the fact that Toei um, abuses YouTube um, copyright system. But the problem really lies in the fact that YouTube has guidelines for, for copyright, and they YouTube supposedly recognizes fair use in a sense of American fair use. But the problem is that Japan does not recognize fair use like YouTube recognizes fair use. So when you have a conflict of how a nation and a platform that is in the U.S. recognizes fair use, 
you have a conflict there. And then when you give the tools to companies in Japan to basically say you're not fair use when you are in fair use, it kind of is a conflict there. And the power goes to that company. So I think the interesting thing, like I said, that came out of the whole situation is highlighting tools that are not necessarily available and plus the conflict of those fair use policies. And I think uh, Mark himself, when he was he, – he's dropped out of the fight. He, he was talking about doing a boycott and everything, but then he dropped out of it. We don't know if Toei lawyers uh, threatened him or what, but it was a very – it was a very questionable video that he put up. Um, it was no, there was no footage. It was just a blank screen with him talking. He obviously claimed that you know this is a lot of it's a very stressful situation. It's it's always stressful. I mean, every time I get a strike, it's it, it's something that plagues my mind for like a week straight. It's a really crappy situation because you're the thing you're putting your livelihood into. <laughs> can it, you you feel out of control? Like you don't have control of the situation, and you're at the whims of a company to say that you can no longer do this and it's, you feel very powerless. And so I do re- honestly believe he, f- this has probably wrecked him. He's, he's probably very stressful on it. Um, but I do believe there was probably a sense in there that if something has happened in the background because of how open he was about, look, I, I disavow the, the boycott. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, leave me alone, please. Toei. It, it, it's literally saying that. So, <laughs> I believe there was something also in the background because he was very, I will admit his video where he challenged Toei. Um, I, I knew when I, when I watched that video, he had like a, a translator actually speaking Japanese to the company. It was a very, um, it was very rude in the terms of Japanese um, video. Like he was, it was a, the, the statements that was being made were very rude and I don't see any Japanese company being okay with it. Like I'm watching it and I'm going, whoa, dad, that, that mannerism and that way you're speaking is literally threatening them and you have no power to threaten them. They will stomp you out. (laughs) There's no question. Like you can't just go over there and spit on their floor. It was literally what he was doing. So again, not saying that Toei is a good company for this. I'm not defending them. I'm just saying this is the reality of business and the copyright laws. And like I said, I, I, I think the thing that he found that I thought was very interesting was, of course, that he, apparently there is a – there's settings in the background of YouTube where you can select what regions your videos go. And I do really think that – I wanted some, time, some sort of change. I didn't really expect it though because – there's plenty of content creators like PewDiePie that have millions of subscribers, and even they have issues that they can't get to be changed. It's just an ongoing thing. Copyright will always be an issue on YouTube. The thing I was kind of hoping, like the minimal thing that I was hoping that would come from this whole situation was that YouTube would recognize that there's a lot of anime content creators that have an issue with p- making things fair use within YouTube policies that are getting claimed because their videos are being posted in Japan. And I... I would just hope that we can have access to those tools that allow us to say, uncheck Japan. As much as I would love my content to be in Japan, if I can remove that issue, I can have more stuff in my videos. Because what am I getting claims by? Japanese companies. I'm not getting claims by the licensors of West because I'm within fair use. Over there, you're technically not within fair use. If you have a footage, no matter how long it is, of a show or even art of a show 
by a Japanese company, they have legal rights if it is showing up in Japan for them to claim it or strike it. So if we could get those tools, and apparently from his research, the only people that have access to those tools are content creator managers, companies that you have to pay a part of your revenue to that manage your channel for you. And they, YouTube gives them access to that. So the only way that I can have access to that, the only way that totally Mark can have access to that is if we pay a part of our revenue to a management company that I'm sure is probably a subsidy of YouTube that's getting paid on the side, um, or at least is trying to soak money from the whole system, but they have access to it. Why can't we have access to it? Because I would love to uncheck Japan just to avoid those strikes. All the strike I've gotten, I've been from Japanese companies that, again, are technically within legal rights to do that. I mean, again, YouTube, I'm following fair use policies, but over there, technically it's not because they don't recognize fair use like we do. So it's a, it's a crappy situation. Yeah. That it? Is that all I'm getting from you? <laughs> I was hoping to get more of you. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's kind of, um, it's, it's one of those legal gray areas. I, I like the idea of, um, companies being able to protect their stuff, but the, issue is more in the lines of they're not protecting their stuff what they're doing is they're in, in a lot of cases um most of these companies they upload their their video to almost a um a background ai system which what it does is it checks your video and if your screenshots are equal to this screenshot that equals flag so there is this kind of um, uncontrolled situation. Now, I agree. Like I said, I, I believe that they have the right to protect their stuff. The problem in lies in the fact that there is no, there's no way to really do this safe, uh, fairly. And, and, and you've talked about the idea of um, you talking to... Um, one of one of the companies in the area and you were saying look how how can we get to a mutual agreement and and that person was saying well it's not so much we can we can set you up or whatever have you but it's not it's not this it's it's more along the lines of every we have to have this kind of generalized protection because you may not be a problem but the 15 people behind you. And there's no way for me to, um, to garner it for everybody. You can't, you can't stop. You can't go through and, and visit every one of them and say, okay, this person's doing it right. This person's doing it right. And then eventually you get down and get a million people who are all doing the same thing. Eventually you just can't keep up. So there has to be this algorithm that's set up to do this. And the problem is, is there's no human intervention in that because it then that becomes the overwhelming thing. So yes and no. I, I, I think I believe that there should be a right for these companies to protect themselves. But at the same time, we need a better system. Really yeah. what it comes down to. Well, that was my argument in the end was it, it is it's an it's a idea of having the system be a little more communication based. That before Toei could mark those and copyright claim them, there should be a conversation that happens. They should say, hey, this is not right. And then you're able to go, yeah, it's actually right because of this. And then they, then they go, okay, well, yeah, this or not. The current system is 
the system tells them, hey, this is not right. What do you want to do? And they go, ah, strike it. Or, ah, give us the money. Or, remove it. And then it comes back and says, hey, they said this, so we're going to do this. And you're like, wait, so do I get a say in this? Because I don't think this is right. Oh, you don't? Okay, well, let me go back to and ask them if that's true. Hey, what do you think? And they go, no, I'm still saying that's he can't have that. And they're like, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> they said no. <laughs> I mean, what? Like, is there? Is this not a two-party conversation here? Why is the assumption that the content creator is the bad guy? And the scary thing is, again, based on what Totally Mark, Not Mark has said, they went through 150 and they were all within minutes. So it, obviously they were not – like they didn't look at this stuff. There's no way they look at it. And there was some stuff that only th- – the only thing in it was a title that said Dragon Ball or something like that. And the content in itself was this them drawing. So no footage. And I'm like, that's terrifying. Like because – like I, I got a strike from Sunny Boy. What if they look back and said, well, there's one here that says Sunny Boy 8. Strike that one too. Oh, this one says Sunny Boy 7. Strike that one too because of the title. Wow. Obviously, they didn't look at it. And again, technically, the the content ID system could have seen like, oh, this shape is like this. So, Because I've joked before, like when I have no screenshots and no footage, I'm afraid there's a day when I'll get flagged for having a poster behind me because the content ID system sees – Oh, that looks like uh, Saber from Fate Zero. Let me tell Aniplex, and Aniplex can decide if they want to destroy your channel or not. It's it's a lack of control. And like I mentioned before with like Twitch, when I did that stream for Tales of Arise, the cool thing that happened there was that the opening music was flagged. There was a content ID within Twitch that said, when this song plays, claim it. Now... The difference between Twitch and YouTube at that time, which I'm not claiming Twitch is great. I'm sure they have plenty of skeletons and closet when it comes to copyright. The way they handled that situation was great. Because what they did is they muted that section, and that was it. That was the end of the conversation. Now, if you can imagine YouTube doing the same thing, if YouTube were to see, oh, well, there's this one screenshot of Sunny Boy. Um, we're just going to blank this part out and let you know. And nothing else happens. Like, they don't go to... Like, before they go to the copyright claimer and say, what do you want to... How do you want to destroy them today? It tells you first that, hey, look, this kind of was flagged. What do you want to do? And I can go, oh, okay, we'll take it off of there. I mean, I don't agree with it, but, you know, I don't want to have problems. Just take it off of there. And the copyright owner is never told. Why would that not be a better system? There's less communication happening. Only the content creators let know. Maybe they pull a video down first and say, hey, look, this was flagged. What do you want to do? And then you can decide at that point, no, that's that's fair use. Put it up. I'll take them on if they have an issue with it. Why can't there be a, a system that's more geared towards the content creator being okay? I mean, we have literally full episodes of Dragon Ball Z and the movie themselves on YouTube, and there's nothing happening to those. That and and I why not go after the actual issue, not the content creators that are doing fair use and following the guidelines. The sad thing is, is you know that a lot of those is is certain countries that are putting it up there, and they have kind of bypass ability because nobody wants to mess with them, and that that's the sad thing, and and they get all the ad revenue. And it, it and that's it, it's really sad where that's a that's a fault to YouTube that they're doing that and they're they're completely and totally okay with it and it it, it is frustrating because especially with content creators who are actually trying to create something 
that's half of the half of the issue of them of us feeling like we have no 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 recourse where we're sitting here we're looking at it and we're going okay why is the rules bent for them well we know why we just they nobody want, wants yeah, yeah nobody want to wants to admit it yeah and, and well, it, i think they pretty much admitted that i mean it, it's one of those things where the moment they created the content id system was really kind of this it, now they've been working on it long before but this whole system was around the idea that the lawyers came after youtube because youtube has money and the way they were able to get away from those lawyers was to say, hey, look, we don't want to get involved. You two hash it out. And we'll give you all the tools you need, copyright owners. Just don't sue us no more. And yep. the result was they gave all the control to the copyright owners. And the copyright owners have full ability to destroy your channel. Which I, 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 I from a business standpoint, I fully understand. I just think, again, if your whole platform is predicated on content creators... You need to give them at least some say. You need to give them equal control, the ability to not lose their livelihood, if that's their livelihood, in in the, the small whims of a company to say, hey, 150 it, – it, it's to a point now, and there's no repercussions. That's the problem. There's no repercussions to the point now where any company that has something in, in the content ID system could literally destroy a channel if they wanted to. Even if that channel has nothing in it, they have the tools to destroy a channel. And it doesn't make sense to me that they would have that much control. But again, my whole point is really the reason why I brought it up here was that I got way too many comments of people saying that I'm I'm defending Toei. I'm not. I, I've specifically said in my video, I have several cases of companies doing the same exact thing Toei did. I am not a fan of it. My point in that video was to say... That it's a problem with the system. If Toei gives him all his videos back, that is not going to change anything. The next day, Toei can do it again. The problem is the tools and the system itself allows these companies to do it. And if the problem really does lie in the fact that the system is too, you know, gives power too much to the copyright owners. The second problem is that Japan does not recognize fair use like we do, nor does YouTube's policy of fair use. They're in, they're in conflict. So the system needs to, be, needs to be changed or at least us given the control of telling where we put our content. That shouldn't be a, a crazy thought there. We should be – I mean when, when you have certain issues with copyright, what does it do? It tells you, hey, your, your video is not available in certain regions. We get that a lot with the Miku streams because some of the songs are just not allowed in certain regions. So why can't we have that control? I had people commenting saying you have those controls. I'm like – a surprise to me, I've made 600 plus videos and I've never seen that option come up. Please enlighten me where this button is because I've never seen it. Totally not Mark's never seen it. There's a lot of comp uh, YouTubers that were talking about this issue saying, I've never seen this button. Uh, why can't we? If, you're, if, our, if our videos going up will infringe on the laws of Japan, why would we not have the control of that? Yeah. If it infringes against what YouTube policy is, why would we ha not have the option for that? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, it's, and I think it's a problem across all anti-tubers. So I, I kind of, again, hope that was the, the only thing that, I, as much as I hate the situation with Toei, and I would love him to get his videos back. Um, I the, the like the minimal thing that I wanted was that, plus giving us that option. That way we can completely avoid Japan altogether. Because again. All these studios do this. 
And I think people just think Toei is the only evil monster because the most popular content creators around anime is typically around One Piece, Naruto, and, and all that kind of stuff. The Toei properties. And so people just think that Toei is the only evil man here. They all do it. All these studios do it. It's just and, – and I said the same thing when Totally Not Mark was like, you know, I, I can't do Toei stuff anymore. I'm going to start doing something else. And I'm like, what are you going to do? You're going to just uh, try Sunny Boy. Try The Promised Neverland. Good luck. They all do it. All these studios do it. Toei is not this magical evil monster that they technically are and the, what they did with him. But <laughs> they're not the only one. They all do it. All the studios don't do it because Japan is so – these studios are so like protective of their property. They seriously are. And it's so funny when you have things like um uh what's the the big convention over there? The oh, shoot. Comic-Con. Like you have these things where they have like where people can make their own spin-offs of mangas and stuff like that with properties and it's all predicated around this one selling period where people can sell their own renditions of these different properties and they don't they don't they don't do anything about it. It's like this one little safe haven where they're allowed anarchy. Because I think they do that because they just have such a strong, like, grip on everything else outside of that. Like, you cannot they're, do anything with their properties outside of that. Their 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 parody laws are parody laws are kind of more a lot more. It's it's so funky when how they do their parody laws because you can sit there and watch a show make reference to some, uh, McDonald's, but it's it's. Uh, like what was in Whack Donalds, uh, Whack Donalds or uh, Mrs. D's or something like that. It's so they're 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 really weird about how, what what things they they will allow and what things they won't. But yeah, it's 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 really weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fair use. That's a totally different animal. It may, may, in a lot of cases, and 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 like your what you were talking about with him uh, talking to Toei. I, I mean, that doesn't help. That you, you didn't give them any way to save face, or I I really need to go and watch this because I'm I'm, I think I'm it, going based off of what you're telling me. Oh, he removed the video, so you'd have to find it somewhere. Um, um, the frustration thing there is that I I understand his frustration. Again, I don't I'm not protecting Toei. I'm just saying the sucky thing is is it was literally spitting on their faces and it was not going to go well. And I think it didn't go well. I don't think he wants to say it, but I don't think it went well. I mean, you're calling for a boycott of the company, and it got pretty popular. Good luck getting your 150 videos back, unfortunately, <laughs> because Japan just doesn't see things like we do. Japan doesn't go, oh, my gosh, it's on social media. I better stop doing this. They don't care. They don't. There's a joke to be made that they're so behind on technology and stuff like that. They probably would go, what is Twitter and what is this totally not Mark? I don't know what this is. Button presses here. Oh, claim, 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 claim. I, like even his claim videos, I don't think they even understood what they were doing. Like it could have been somebody just like, you know. Control A, press button. I don't even think they understand what it was on the screen. And that's the sucky thing, to give them that much control and they don't even understand what they're doing. But it's it's a sucky situation all around. I really do feel for the guy. I Like I said before, technically I've gone through this situation before. Um, not to that degree. But I feel I feel his pain because you feel you feel powerless. Like, what what's my future, literally, when you're trying to do this as a job? And he has employees and stuff that he's dealing with, so... He's got a group of people that he's responsible for, and it just sucks all around. But again, I don't, I don't defend Toei, <laughs> not at all. Well, there's a system, and, and, and unless you're trying to read into some kind of weird statement, I mean, 
even even when I give them the benefit of the doubt with the whole uh, statement of I don't think there's a lot of human intervention involved in all this. This is all being done uh, through the system itself. He basically he put up a show. The system caught red flagged that show. He uh, or a video. The system red flagged the video. It put it in front of them. They clicked the yes, send it. And they didn't go to bother to watch it. All they seen was um, they may have they may have giving them the benefit of the doubt. They may have watched his that one video, that first video that flagged. They automatically assumed all of his other videos, and that's why they did 150 videos all at one time, like Andrew was talking about. Yeah, it's probably manual claimed. I mean, yeah. again, if I'm assuming that totally Mark, not Mark, is telling the full truth, like he said, he he said that they had videos where they were doing nothing but drawing, and there was no footage on it. I think in those cases, yeah, it was probably manual. Uh, they manually flagged them because it had a name in it, and oh well, these other ones did that, or it could have been a thumbnail. Thumbnail could have been an actual piece of art that that the company owned or something but yeah it it it, the in a lot of cases then then on our side there's no real recourse and that's the that's the main problem because all that all that all that it's doing is it's going back to them like i said earlier mentioned a few minutes ago they don't have any way of really saving face once they've done that it's it's it it's it's kind of the in this stuck spot of yeah, they can't back down and we can't back down because like, like we were, like Andrew was saying, that's his business is, is the, the ad revenue built by that. And it's just like, um, the idea of, um, you have to get, get your, your video up as fast as possible to get the maximum amount of clicks. Once you get those maximum amount of clicks, if, if somebody copyright claims it, all that revenue of that first day is gone. Yeah. And, and the- it, and the the strikes themselves, I mean, you, you could technically have issues with the algorithm because of them. So it's it's affecting your channel in so many ways. And yeah, especially with the the first, you know, so many hours of it. If you can't monetize it, and that's literally the peak point of your video, sucks. Because I mean, once you're done with like the first few hours, your video just kind of drops off the algorithm. That's where it's most capable of getting, you know, viral and everything like that. So yeah, it sucks all around. Um, Toei sucks. Uh, Sony Music Japan sucks. <laughs> uh, what was that other one? There's a I don't even remember the name of the company that was for uh, Sony Boy. It was just some random TV broadcasting company. It's like you suck. <laughs> but again, it's their laws. I it's hard to argue. It's again we need control over our regions so that we can fit within those those laws. So that way we can actually fully 100% legally claim. I will take you to court because this is the laws here that I put my video on and you have justification for it. So anywho, let's get some questions in here. Cause we're already running long. <laughs> uh, first one we have here from our community. Again, you can go to talkspirit.com at the top. There's a contact us button up there. Um, like I said before, we're still testing it out. So get on there and, and submit some questions. So we can make sure that we're, it's working out properly, or you can go to the forums at talkspirit.com and go and the register there and talk to some great people on the, the community there. Uh, they're anxiously waiting for some new members to talk to. So like uh, Havoc did. Havoc uh, sent in a comment through our podcast question button up there in talkaspear.com. It says, hey, guys, first, want to say congrats on YouTube growth recently. Remember us the day that you make it. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> also, thanks for being so inclusive on your streams. Uh, love hashing it out with random topics. 
Uh, now, for my question, what do you think are some of the most iconic and most overused sound bites in anime? When I say this, I am most prominent. Uh, my most prominent example is I can think of is a cicada. Uh, I swear it's used universally in every anime. I think it's because I have a lot of cicadas there, which I think is like pretty much most of my responses. Is like if you just think about what's most prominent in Japan, you're probably going to have that sound effect in pretty much most animes, like railroad crossings. <laughs> There's so many railroads there, so you're going to have a lot of ding, 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 dings going off. Any other ones you can think of? It's cicada is like the big one. Um, the crow, the crow sound. The, the I crow actually a lot. I actually had this kind of moment last night where an uh, fruit of evolution actually did the the aho uh, crow, and I was like, "Yeah, oh my gosh, I haven't heard that in forever." Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a big one for a long time. Um, but yeah, the uh, most of most of what you've got down here is pretty much the same ones I thought of was the pan, um, the kabuki stuff. Like they, there's a lot of. Uh, traditional sound effects and drums and stuff that they use in um, Kabuki that they use a lot in a lot of stuff. Like, like I can just think of like an episode of Tenchi Moyo and like every sound and everything in there is is often used. Like, ooh, part. Yeah, yeah. The uh, a lot of them and 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 my my thought also went to some of the um the mecha stuff where there's there's a few sounds that are in there that you'll. You'll hear her every once in a while, but at the same time, uh, a good fifty percent is all sunrise. So there you go. More than likely, it's <laughs> plasma lasers. And yeah, stuff. yeah, I could see that as well. Yeah, like I said, I, I think a, 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 the kabuki is a huge one. Um, railroad crossings and crows bamboo and cicadas. Pipes. Bamboo. Yeah, the, the bamboo. bamboo. Yeah, the bamboo fountains. Those are those are. It's a lot of them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's majority of them. Just pretty much the kind of commonality the sounds. Ringing, the ringing uh, wind chime and the the cat bells. The cat bells. I got you on the wind chime, not the cat bells. Especially key. Key does it a lot. Just like a collar. Yeah, the collar. Oh, the collar you. bell. I got you. I got you. Yeah, there you go, Havoc. Thanks for the question. The moo from from <laughs> cowgirls. <laughs> Or the or the um, the wow, <laughs> that was the other one they had written down. I totally forgot about that one. Yeah, it, it's like, and it's funny because you think that that would be like a copyright thing, but no, it's apparently the wow thing is something that they can use it elsewhere. So, I guess they just don't have the little like gling noise in the background when they do the wow and and uh, fairy tale. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, sir, um, sir, sir, um, no. It actually gave me a way of pronouncing it. I appreciate that. Ceramno. Like ceramic. Ceramno. So there you go. Ceramno says, So we have all heard of an anime doing poor job at adapting a manga or light novel properly. In your guys' opinion, has there ever been an anime adaptation that has done a better job um, or more enjoyable job at telling a story that the light novel or manga is based on? I'm semi-new to the podcast, so I apologize if this answers uh, the question. But it's fine. Uh, we get We get... We like the idea of people asking the same question, uh, like most people, because often you have cases where people have not listened to us before and don't know the answer to it. Um, though, I have talked severely about Attack on Titan over the last, you know, three years, every time we talk about Attack on Titan, just because uh, it is still being adapted. And I always mention the idea that I like the anime adaptation of Attack on Titan more than the manga, because the manga has a habit of just having way too much talking that is unnecessary or just talking in circles. 
So I have I have been, I've thoroughly enjoyed the anime over the manga. I don't really like the manga. Um, other examples that I don't think I've mentioned too much before, uh, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. I got the first volume of that before Kyoto Animation started adapting it because I wanted to check it out, and I wasn't a huge fan of the anime or the manga, especially the art style. It's kind of grown on me, but I wasn't a huge fan of the art style. I think Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. I mean, if if Kyoto Animation adapts anything, I think it's going to be better. <laughs> It's just a well, besides uh, a silent voice because I I kind of wish that they had done the whole story, but it was still an amazing movie, so I didn't mind it so much. There, there was a strong, there was a lot of very strong source material there, so you kind of. And it's funny because there's there's some stuff that was cut that I wasn't too like upset about because there's some side stuff that I wasn't really like thrilled about of of the original silent voice. Um, but I my concerns was around the idea that they were they wanted to do a movie. And that's equivalent to what, like five or six episodes worth of a TV series. And I think it would have been perfect. I think it would probably perfectly fit in a TV anime, but maybe they thought differently. Maybe they seen that and said, no, it's just not going to really fit very well. But um, in the end, I really love the movie and the manga is still there. So that's not really too bad of a case for me because I think both are just perfectly fine in their own. Um, The other one that I kind of think of now and then is Norgami. Uh, because I think the production values, the music, and everything that they put into the, the actual TV series was just amazing. And I really do hope they adapt more of that. The only thing that would give a negative to the Noragami anime adaptation is that there was certain certain explanations of certain things that were different than the manga. But other than that, it's they didn't alter too much stuff. There was some stuff that was cut. Nothing really major. But... Just the the quality of the anime was just so hype. Just the music and everything was perfect. So it just makes it the the story itself just gets took into another level when it was adapted. So it, it it's a that's a hard question to answer in 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 a lot of cases. Like I, I automatically thought of Attack on Titan. I think that they did fantastic at, at adapting that. But m- one of the main problems is. is when you go into a show, you 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 have a lot of hype in seeing certain things in what, that you're you're imagining in your head. When when Attack on Titan, because um, I I kind of I I want to say that I bumped into it at some point as far as a um in the manga, and then when we had actually found out about the the um the adaptation I had kind of mentioned that I do kind of one thing that I do want to see is their, their maneuvering stuff is some really fantastically amazing stuff. And that is the one thing more than anything that I want to see because those were not really captured very well in the manga panels. Now it did fine for what it's trying to do, but it's not, at the same level of when you actually see it on the screen, that is some really cool stuff. And that's one of those things that um, more than anything that I, I think is really something that a lot of people kind of miss is this idea of what you see in your head does not always equal what you see in the actual anime adaptation. And that's a lot of the frustration. Um you you want to see something in your head and um when you finally do see it it's not it's not always going to be um 
to the level that you want to see it. And, and you get to this point where you're, you get frustrated. And like we've mentioned with the, the, the snowball, it's a, it's a very similar situation where you, you get frustrated. Okay. This didn't get revealed. I, I, or as it, as it goes along because of that, then this doesn't get it, get shown or, or this doesn't get shown. And eventually you get to this point where it's like, this is the worst, uh, uh, adaptation ever because of x y and z and then you've got a list of 500 things that criticisms that you have now i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not justifying any bad adapta- bad adaptations by bad adaptations, bad adaptations. by saying <laughs> this new word now bad adaptations. bad adaptations um i watch that become a thing <laughs> bad, bad adaptations probably already a thing um so i'm not i'm not justifying the adaptations for doing these things at, in, in general. I'm I'm sure that there's uh, probably 20 people who have a, a million and a half um, explanations as to why Mushiko Tensai is the worst adaptation ever. However, as somebody who's not read the light novel, more than likely I have a bias towards it. Why? Because I don't have a, a skew. And I fully admit I have watched adaptations over and over and over again. I, I have talked about in some of our, our, uh, our previous episodes of adaptations that I went into it expecting something. Um, and I didn't get that expectation. Why? Because it was tainted by my love of the original source material whatever show or uh whatever you want to call it you will have that taint and i i hate to say it as a taint but it that's the best way to explain it it it's there's an expectation that expectation not being met frustrates you and therefore it's automatically horrible it doesn't matter what it is it it could be a uh, uh, above average but because it didn't do it the way you thought it should be done it's bad period yeah, I think the worst cases of the quote unquote bad adaptations is when you know they're obviously anime originally in it. And I think the reason why I hate that so much is when you have that expectation that will pretty much cut it off possibility of a future adaptation. Now there's cases like people mentioned with Shadow House where they technically removed a scene that is something that hints into the next part. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because, like the writer said, we'll figure it out. Like, we're, 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 there's still a way they can kind of introduce this concept to get it to continue on because they didn't expect it to continue on. But when you have cases like Claymore where they literally just – that ending was literally them cutting off any possible – well, it's not, not that it cuts off all possibility, but it really kind of ruins certain aspects to continue on. That's where it really sucks because, yes, like things with like with Claymore that I've read – it's it it only gets better from there on, and so you hope that things like that don't hinder it from being able to continue on. Um, there's issues like the Promised Neverland where they technically take out entire story arcs and just completely conclude it, so you know you'll never probably unless they they could probably do an OVA to to have those other arcs, but they they technically kind of uh, muddied the water in a possibility of, of future adaptations. Like I mentioned before, technically Noragami has certain explanations of certain abilities that make it difficult for them to continue on the story unless they just kind of side explain it um, to make it work out. Because the way they explain the mechanics of something specifically, 
will come into heavy play with a fight later on. So, I don't know. I I guess I don't really have too many examples of that. Um, but it, it is also the reason why, similar to what you were talking about a minute ago, why I appreciate going anime adaptation first and then source material is because I don't have that that pre that pre knowledge that will affect my enjoyment of this the, the of the actual adaptation and then I can go back and I can check out the source material and then go it doesn't weigh on me that much my mindset more goes to the story itself like again with Claymore since I watched the show first and then I went into the manga I can see those differences but for, for the most part the only thing that bugged me was realizing just how different the ending in the anime is to the actual source material as it went on, because obviously the anime almost kind of concludes certain things and prevents it from going on, whereas the manga just kind of just goes right through that gate and keeps going on. So something something very important to remember is um, light novels are, are very much in characters' heads. It's very rare for a um, a story written in a light novel form to be in a third-person perspective, for lack of a better term. I don't know how to better explain it. Um, now, manga, manga paneling is a lot more in line with anime adaptations. So, for the most part, unless it's something that's really outside of the realm and where the director says, okay, I really, really want to cut this. Generally, most anime are manga um, adaptations, generally panel for panel. I mean, sometimes they'll skip things. Like I said, if the director feels that, hey, this really doesn't fit here or the storyboard artist or the storyboarder will decide this doesn't really flow well, they'll they'll adjust it. That's why we talk about, like, with Attack on Titan, it was a lot better adapted than most. Um, a light novel is one that is going to be, for a lack of a better term, really hard for them to adapt because they have to first convert it. Then they decide, okay, this is a little bit too talky. Let's get rid of that. But it also comes out of the protagonist's mind in a lot of cases. So a lot of the filler involved in that gets yanked out and they have to retell the story in such a way that they can incorporate the 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 main character's thoughts and yet not overwhelm you. Uh, um well that's like the Higahiro example that I had where they have this whole situation where, you know, they these people are meeting in this room and this guy literally says something to kind of interject and then it has literally and then they ask what and then like it has a segment of several minutes where just it's nothing but people staring at each other and it's all in that time him thinking about what he's doing and what he's going to do but you realize he's just they're just sitting there staring at each other while he's thinking all this information and it's like this big information dump that was probably, you know, three pages worth in the light novel, but how does that translate visually? Doesn't look good. And I think that's all that's usually the argument that a lot of people have that works against adaptations is you have to realize that the you're bringing something from one medium that is designed for that medium and trying to stick it into this other medium that it's not really technically designed for that medium. So there's a lot of things that have to shift. There's the the manga joke about how 
technically in a couple panels of manga you can have where everybody's reacting to the situation but when it translates into an actual show it looks weird when you have this fight going on just it just cuts to people staring and talking and it's like how long is this fight because it's spending so much time showing reactions that were technically single panels in the manga uh same thing for light novels it's designed around mostly from what i experienced is a lot of inner dialogue a lot of conversation is how is really what light novels is designed around and to have that translate into an anime where you don't want it to be in the character's head all the time doesn't really necessarily make sense. Especially when you have, again, like Higahiro, that whole scene. I, I've I've experienced it with um, Spice and Wolf. A lot of it's in Lawrence's head. He's constantly thinking about things. And it's just not even there in the, in the anime. Because, again, you don't want to watch a show where it's just nothing but inner dialogue. It works for certain shows. I mean, Mishika Tensai, it's, it's often in his head. But it's not really good in an anime format. And I think that's why it's always kind of set up for failures in a lot of cases. When it, when we have a show where we're watching it and somebody's like, this is a terrible adaptation. And you're like, well, why is that? Because they didn't get into this and he didn't have this whole de development in his head and stuff like that. It's like, well, I can see that. I mean, I completely agree with that. And But I think a lot of that, it's probably because it just doesn't adapt well. But that's probably giving them too much credit. There was a, um American writer. Um, I, I, I think I've mentioned it before at some point, but... He was he had writ, written this story and and there was a whole bunch of um, movie because it, this 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 novel had had gotten really popular and and there was uh, Hollywood really really wanted him to to adapt it and everything like that and he said no I I really don't want anybody to, I don't want it adapted right now and he went on and he did several um, sequels to that storyline and at some point he ended up. Uh, he he got kind of sidetracked into one of the other characters um, because as this u universe expanded, more of the other characters became more popular. And he went back and retold that that initial story from another character's perspective. And so this entire it it, it, it literally both both books are um, parallel each other, except for one is from one character's perspective and the other is from the main character's perspective. And finally, he after he was done writing that book, he stopped and he said, now there can be an, an, an adaptation of that story. And it was Bambi. <laughs> and the reason why and he and he specifically said this is because now you can see it from an outsider's perspective. And that, like like we were mentioning of this this idea of. Sometimes you get stuck in this kind of um, the character's head and things aren't working in, in, in that respect of it. You can have this narrator the entire time information dumping the entire story, but it doesn't uh, – when, when you think about how fast you think, you're not thinking literally – all the time in this random conversation where everything is awkward – you're you're thinking a lot faster than that, and when 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 you're when a narrator is trying to explain this person's thought process, it's slower than you think. <laughs> so take that 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 like like I said, take that all into consideration. It's not it's not always that um, what you expect to be what it all boils down to is what you expect to be adapted 
is not always what is actually adapted. And that frustrates a lot of people. Yum, yum. All right, um, Sir Amno, thank you for the awesome question. Hopefully that uh, was an interesting response to you. And that's the other thing is like technically whenever somebody asks a question that we've had before, sometimes we kind of just go into tangents about things we've never talked about before, like Bambi getting an anime adaptation after years of of storytelling and changing perspectives. Um, definitely looking forward to that Bambi sequel. So there it's you go. It's called Thumper, by the way. Th- uh, yeah. <laughs> The dark side of Bambi, Thumper. You'll be Twitter painted too. Coming to a theater near you. Uh, Twitter painted. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed this discussion podcast episode. Hopefully, those news bits were good for you guys. You guys enjoyed it. Um, thanks again for the awesome questions that were provided to us. Keep them coming. Thanks, Havoc, again. And thanks, Ramno. Uh, yeah. And as always, we definitely appreciate everybody who supports us through our tips link that we have on the main site and our YouTube description. As always, definitely appreciate everybody who supports us on Patreon. Without you guys, this would not be possible to keep doing this as a full time and keep bringing you guys good content, uh, either through the podcast or through the YouTube channel. Definitely those that are listening to it on the podcast, if you can, you have some time, go over to our YouTube channel, check out a couple videos and subscribe. Definitely appreciate your support there. Um, But yeah, as always, hope you guys enjoyed. And as always, you'll take care. Ose.